In our series, we've been covering the holiness of God, the justice of God, the love of God. You know, I was thinking, those are things that angels have experienced, God's holiness and God's love. But His mercy, the angels in heaven have never really experienced it. They are vessels unto honor. We are vessels of mercy. Psalm 89.1 says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. The psalmist says, I want to tell you about God's mercy. I want to sing about God's mercy. Well, today let's talk about God's mercy. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the epistle to the Ephesians and the second chapter. Ephesians chapter 2. There was a sign outside of a convent years ago that said, Trespassers will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Signed, the Sisters of Mercy. (laughs) (laughs) We've been in a series and we've been talking about God's attributes. We've covered His holiness. We've covered His love. We've covered His justice. Today we're going to be talking about the mercy of God. What is God like? Well, He's merciful. And here in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. I want to draw your attention to my text, verse 4, which says, but God, notice these words, who is rich in mercy. What is God like? He is merciful. Let's talk about our merciful God today. Let's ask the Lord to bless first. Our Father, we come before Thee. We thank You so much for the mercy. We know that salvation is not by works which we have done, but according to Your mercy. And Father, I just pray now that You would teach us about Your mercy today so that we would appreciate Thee more and that we would also in turn practice mercy as God's people. We pray for your help. We ask it all now in Jesus' name. Amen. I love that expression. Verse number four, but God who is rich in mercy. What a beautiful expression. God is rich in mercy. You know, man seeks to be rich in money. God is rich in mercy. In our series, we've been covering the holiness of God, the justice of God, the love of God. You know, I was thinking, those are things that angels have experienced, God's holiness and God's love. But His mercy, the angels in heaven have never really experienced it. They are vessels unto honor. We are vessels of mercy. 
And mercy or mercies or merciful in some form, the word mercy is found over 300 times in the Bible. It's powerful truth. In fact, if you, like me, have read the 136th Psalm, that's that one that says, da-da-da, his mercy endureth forever. Da-da-da, his mercy endureth. You ever read that one? And, and 26 verses, every single verse says, God's mercy endureth forever. It's like, please get this. Please read my lips. God says, I am merciful. We read over in Psalm 36 and verse 5, the psalmist says, Thy mercy, O Lord, it is, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. It's like God's mercy is out of this world. It reaches into the heavens and into the clouds. And it's something to sing about. Psalm 89.1 says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. The psalmist says, I want to tell you about God's mercy. I want to sing about God's mercy. Well, today let's talk about God's mercy. And our text here, it opens in verse 1 by addressing us. It says, and you hath he quickened, an old word that means brought to life that which was dead, and it goes on and explains it. You hath he quickened who were dead in what? Trespasses and sins. Not physically, but spiritually dead. You're born that way, spiritually dead. And that's why Jesus said you must be born again. He's not talking about having another physical birth, but needing at some point in your life in order to go to heaven when you die, a spiritual birth. And you hath he quickened or brought to life who were dead in trespasses and sins. And then it describes this, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. In other words, the, the agenda of this world, the plan and the scheme of this world. The world has an agenda, and we were walking in it before salvation. And then it says, according to the uh, prince of the power of the air. Now, who's that? Well, that's the devil. You say, oh, I wasn't a child of the devil before I uh, was saved. Well, yes, you were. The Bible mentions those who are even children of the devil. You're either God's kid or, or you're not. And you are his child when you're born again into his family. So you were walking beforehand according to the prince of the power of the air, the, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. In other words, it prevails out there amongst the unsaved. And uh, if you don't see it, you're not looking. It's everywhere. Verse 3 says, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past. That word conversation means more than your words, your behavior, your, your way of life. We all behaved ungodly before salvation. And it says, we all had that conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Notice, and we're by nature the children of God? No, the children of wrath, even as others. Well, that sets the stage for verse 4. What a, what a blessing verse 4 is, but God. In other words, all this bad news, but God. I love the way it just turns there in the contrast in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. There's no other way to be saved. By grace ye are saved. Now, Paul's going to get to that later in verses 8 and 9, but it's like he just couldn't wait to say it. By grace are you saved. How? Well, by grace through God's mercy. Let's talk about that mercy. We have a God who is rich in mercy. As we look at that mercy, we see, first of all, what I call the, the spiritual definition of mercy. So we're to sing about it, and it's in our songbooks. 
The Bible talks about it. What is it? What is this mercy? I have a preacher friend. He was just in town about a month or two ago, a Pastor Farnham. And, and uh, he's the Roman knuckle champion of preachers, I guess. He's not a big guy, but, but uh, he's got these hands and these forearms, and, and uh, he likes to Roman knuckle lock. You ever done that? And what do you do when you're losing to stop it? You go, mercy, mercy. Uh, it's, been, it's been cute to watch my kids play this over the years, and, and always the youngest one saying, mercy. What is mercy? Well, mercy is to refrain from punishment or further punishment. And we're normally talking about somebody who's been an offender or an enemy, and you could get them. I mean, the knife's to their throat, the shoe's on the other foot, but you refrain from punishment and you show mercy. It's something the superior shows the subordinate. And it's, it's kindness in excess. You wouldn't have to be that kind. You have chosen to be kind. It is forbearance. It is compassion. These are different ways of describing mercy. It means to forgive and it means uh, to pity and it's showing leniency and clemency. And boy... We all need that. There are times when we need mercy. We should never have the attitude, well, let them have it, you know. Let's give them the heavy hand. Because there are going to be times when we need mercy. We've got to have it. Now, notice verse 4 says, but God, who is rich in mercy, and then it says, for His great love wherewith He loved us. Mercy is tied to love. If you're a heavy justice person, there's a deficit of love in your heart. When we show mercy towards someone, it's because we have this love in us. We have this surplus, perhaps, of love in us. And God's mercy is connected to His love. Secondly, God's mercy is, is fresh daily, like the bread down at the bakery. We, we read in Lamentations 3.22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And of course, that wonderful hymn has been written from that verse in Lamentations 3. When the Jewish people were out uh, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, God reminded them of some promises He had made to uh, Abraham, their father, many years, hundreds of years earlier. In Deuteronomy 4.31, He said, For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. He promised Abraham way back yonder, I will be merciful to your descendants. By the way, God is still merciful to the Jewish people. God is still not done with Israel to this day. Now, maybe you personally need mercy today. Maybe you've got to have it. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you, you feel the, the glare of God on your life. Well, I have good news. If you are willing to repent, and if I'm willing to repent, there is mercy with God. We read in Micah 7, verse 18, Who is a God like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. God delights in mercy. God likes to show, he loves to show mercy. If you would turn to Psalm 103 from where you're at right there. Psalm 103 speaks further of this mercy. What is God like? Well, He's merciful. If we will have a repentant attitude, God is willing to show mercy. Here in Psalm 103, notice with me, if you would, verse number 11. It says, 
For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Aren't these great verses? God knows what we are. But notice verse number 11. It tells us here, as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. That's a powerful, powerful thing. Now, we've spoken of God's justice already. And uh, some think of God as just nothing but justice. And, and that God is, is heavy-handed. Oh, no, God is balanced. We might be out of balance. God's not. Remember the, uh, the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses? Remember that they were placed inside this kind of a, maybe a four-foot by three-foot or two-foot kind of a, a box called the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant? And do you remember what the covering of that box was called? The mercy seat, right? The mercy seat. So you've got God's law. You've got, you've got the heavy hand or, or the justice of God sitting within those Ten Commandments. But what's on top of it? The mercy seat. Folks, the mercy trump, trumps the justice. And you add to that that blood on the mercy seat. Remember the high priest would go in there and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. What a picture of what Christ has done for us and the mercy we have now in his sacrifice on Calvary's cross. And... We have a God who is anxious, that's the word, anxious to forgive if we will repent. Look in Acts, I'm sorry, Psalm 86, if you would. Psalm 86. Many years ago, Queen Victoria ascended to the throne of England. And she was brought in these papers, these documents to sign. And as she was signing them, she saw that one in particular needed her signature to execute somebody who was guilty of a crime. And she stopped and she put her quill aside and she said, must I be privy to, to death? And the Lord Chamberlain said, yes, uh, my majesty, you, you must be part of this. That is, unless you, you desire to exercise your royal prerogative. And she said, oh, what's that? Well, you can, you can sign this a pardon, and this man will be forgiven. And she said, well, I'd like to set the stage for my reign right now and show that I am a merciful queen and, and give me that piece of paper. Yes, I would like to sign it. And the man was pardoned. Notice in Psalm 86 and in verse number 5, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call Upon thee. That was me. March 5th, 1981. I called upon the Lord. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that is mean business, and, uh, and, and enthrone Christ as Lord, shall be saved. I was saved on March 5th, 1981. Why? Well, verse 5 says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Have you done that? Have you called upon the Lord in mercy, asking God to forgive you for your sins and cleanse you and save you? We read this in Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. That's the God we have. One who is willing to forgive 
And let that wicked man, and by the way, there's none righteous, no, not one. And, and self-righteousness is a wicked thing, according to God. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God and he will abundantly pardon. Oh, what a blessing that verse is. So we see the spiritual definition of mercy. But secondly, let's look at the sovereign display of mercy. God's display of mercy. Many years ago, there was a mother who made an appeal to Napoleon. Her son was condemned to die. And that mother pleaded for the life of her son. And, and Napoleon said, I'm sorry, ma'am, he's done this twice. And, and justice is demanded. She said, but I'm pleading for mercy. And Napoleon said, he doesn't deserve mercy. And, and she said, yes, sir, he doesn't. But it wouldn't be mercy if he deserved it. Isn't that the truth? It wouldn't be mercy if we deserved it. And her son was let off. We see the sovereign display of mercy. Right at the fall of mankind, when Adam and Eve messed up and they blew it and they introduced sin into this world, God sacrifices a lamb, kills a lamb, sheds the blood of a lamb to get the, the coats or the skins from those lambs to cover Adam and Eve. That was mercy. By the way, mercy is expensive. It's expensive. We see the sovereign display of it over and over again. And it's, it's, it's exemplified in the Bible. It's pictured in the Bible. You know, the, the parable of the prodigal son. And the father and the, the son went off into a far country and, and, and lived like the devil. And that, that dad could have, could have said, you've blown my money, you've messed up, there's no mercy for you. That father is a picture of God. That son is a picture of us. And we find this displayed sovereignly throughout the Bible. In Genesis chapter 8, we can't turn to all these, but uh, you remember when the flood took place upon the earth and after the population was wiped out and annihilated, God puts this rainbow in the sky and it's a, it's a promise from God. It's a covenant with man. God says, I'll never do that again. I will show mercy. Later on in Genesis chapter 18, 10 chapters later, we find out that, that Sodom and Gomorrah, for their sin of sodomy, had gotten so wicked that God sent down some angelic beings to check it out personally, and Jesus Christ is among them. And as they go to determine how wicked Sodom is, the Lord and, and Abraham have a conversation. And Abraham says, if there's 50 righteous people there, won't you spare it? God says, I'll spare it for the 50. Well, what if there's 45? God said, I'll spare it for the 45. Well, what if there's 40? I'll spare it for the 40. What about 30? I'll spare it for the 30. 20? 10? He gets God down to 10 thinking, surely, surely, Lot, my nephew, has been witnessing to somebody over there, and he's got his own family. They ought to amount to more than that with his in-laws. And, and surely there's 10 righteous people there. There wasn't. But the point is this. God was willing to show mercy. Why? Because God delights in mercy. When we'll repent, we find out that David messed up. David committed adultery with Bathsheba, kind of sweeps it under the carpet for nine months, and, and finally the time comes for the baby to be born, and Nathan the prophet shows up. David's kind of going on with business as usual. Nathan shows up, presents this parable to him. You remember the story, and we find out David realizes he's the foolish man in that parable. I mean, the, the, the tears just burst out, and in repentance he says, I have sinned. What does Nathan say? 
He gives him the Word of God and he says, yes, you have, but you won't die. You won't die. We find out there's mercy there because there's repentance. Later on, David would number the people foolishly in his pride, wanting to to know how many little peons he has under him here. And it was also uh, a time when Israel was kind of strutting around and feeling kind of spunky. And, And so we find out that there's this judgment for that pronounced against Israel. And God says you have three choices. And in 2 Samuel 24... In verse number 14, David said unto Gad, I am in a strait, a great strait. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. And let me not fall into the hand of man. David says, let God decide. God is more merciful than man. Well, you get over to the New Testament, you find a woman taken in adultery. The Pharisees thought they had cornered Jesus Christ. It was a no-win deal. I mean, if he condemns her to die, he's not loving. If, if uh, he lets her off the hook, then he's not just. And you remember the story? He said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And, and the next thing you heard was the thud of stones hitting the ground there as the Pharisees wandered off one at a time. And Jesus was left in the midst with this woman. And, and, uh, and he said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. No wonder they called him a friend of sinners. Oh, I'm glad he was, aren't you? I need a friend as a sinner. And so we see this this sovereign display of mercy. But thirdly, we see the saint's duty. The saint's duty when it comes to mercy. During the Korean War, there was a Korean man by the name of of Kim Jun-gon. And he lived on the island of, of Chunam. And the communists showed up there... It was only an island of about 20,000 people. They wiped out one-tenth of the island, 2,000 of them, including Kim's wife and, and Kim's father. They were, they were all brutally built, beaten along with Kim, but, but uh, they died, and, and he uh, kind of revived and, and stood up and, and went and hid in the jungle, and he stayed there until they saw the U.S. Navy approaching the island there, and, and they were delivered. They caught those communists who had killed his father and his wife. And, and there in a time of war, the chief of police could uh, pronounce death upon him without even a trial, which he did. And as they were about to execute the communists, it was Kim himself who stepped forward and said, no, please, forgive them. They were just following orders. And the chief of police looked at him in an odd way and he said, wasn't one of the dead your, your own wife and your father? And Kim said, yes, they, they were, but... I have been pardoned. I have been shown mercy by my Lord, and I beg you to do the same for them. And they were shown mercy. And later on, Kim went up into the hills where many of the communists had gone to hide, and they didn't kill him. And he preached the gospel to them. And by the time he had finished his work there, he'd established a church on that island. All because of mercy. Folks, mercy is the duty of the saints. It is the saints' duty. Now, when we don't show mercy, we're not going to be shown mercy. There, there are some very scary warnings in the Bible about being so heavy in justice and not showing mercy. In fact, in James 2 and verse 13, it says, For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. He will have judgment without mercy who has shown no mercy. Folks, we are all going to need mercy eventually. No question about that. There's no if. It's, it's when. When are we going to need mercy? And we're going to reap what we sow. 
What goes around comes around. In fact, David, I mentioned him a moment ago, you know, he was shown mercy because he was one who showed mercy. Remember when King Saul was trying to murder him? And on more than one occasion, he had opportunity to kill his worst enemy. But he showed him mercy. And later on, he reaped what he sowed in a good way. Why? It's the saint's duty. In 1 Samuel 24.10, he says, Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that the Lord had delivered thee, King Saul, today into mine hand in the cave. And some bade me kill thee, but mine eyes spared thee. He showed mercy. Later on, he was shown mercy. Look, if you would, in Matthew chapter 18. Turn there over in the New Testament. If a perfect God, a holy God, a a non-sinning God can show mercy, how much more can we as sinners be willing to show mercy? In Matthew chapter 18 and in verse number 23, we pick up the story here. It's a parable that Christ is, is giving on the heels of teaching Peter about pardoning. And in verse 23, he says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. You know, that, that, that figure doesn't mean anything to us. But I have read where it's, it's in the hundreds of millions, perhaps even billions of dollars. So it's an astronomical amount that there's no way this guy could pay back. And so we read he owed him 10,000 talents, and verse 25 says, But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out, and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Best I can figure, 20, 25 bucks, okay? And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not. But went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Do we get the point here? The the Lord here is God. The unforgiving servant's a picture of us when we don't forgive others. And if we were to read on, we would find out it didn't go well for this guy. You know, you perhaps have enemies or people who have done you dirty, stabbed you in the back. Maybe you bent over backwards for them. And boy, I'm telling you, there's ill will there. There's hard feelings. There's, there's the heavy hand. At least we want to show justice. Folks, we need to show mercy. I'm thinking of somebody right now. <laughs> I need to show mercy. Why? Because God showed mercy to me. God requires it. You know, I mentioned, I think, a week or two ago, uh, what has become my life's verse of all the verses in the Bible. It's, it's Micah 6 in verse number 8. It says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, here it is, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. 
We don't have to wonder. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee. Here's what God requires of us. Yes, be fair, be just, but notice it says to love mercy. Do we love mercy? Turn, if you would, to Matthew 23, just a few pages forward. In Matthew 23, and in verse number 23, Christ is rebuking the scribes, and they deserved it. He says in verse 23, Woe unto thee, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of men and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Here they are. Justice or judgment, mercy and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Here are the Pharisees and they were tithing on half a pennies. And Christ said, that's fine, do that. But don't omit the weightier matters. One of which, and we find it sandwiched right in the middle, be merciful, show mercy. Jesus said in Luke 6 and verse number 36, But ye therefore, or be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. We're never more godlike, perhaps, than when we are merciful. We are never more devil like when we don't forgive. Would you describe yourself as a merciful person? Look in Matthew 5, if you would. Again, what goes around comes around. And I have known Christian people even. I mean, it's just they have to fix everything and fix everybody and get to the bottom of everything and straighten out everybody and everything. Well, it's a dangerous mindset to live with, folks. You better learn to be merciful. Here we have our Savior, and He's given the Sermon on the Mount. And you're familiar with this verse, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I think we could say the opposite. Those who don't show mercy won't receive mercy. If you ever are going to need mercy, and you are, you better show mercy. Because again, what goes around comes around. Many years ago, there was an employee that worked for this uh, large firm, an accountant firm, and he was found guilty of uh, misappropriating some funds, basically embezzling. He was called to the office of the senior partner, and he sat across the desk. There he was just dying a thousand deaths, sweating bullets, thinking this was it, this was his career, there would be an asterisk there that would follow him forever through life. And the senior partner looked him across the desk, and he said, are you guilty of these allegations? The young man didn't lie. He said, yes, I am guilty, and I am so sorry. Expecting to be fired, he heard these words. If I give you another chance, will you ever do it again? The man said, no, no, I'll never do it again. I promise I'll never do it again. He said, you can keep your position on that promise. The young man thanked him profusely. He got up ready to leave. And the, the senior partner said, sit down for just a second more. He said, uh, there's something else you need to know. You're not the first man ever to be caught misappropriating funds. You're the second. He said, I'm the first. Years ago, when I was a young man, just about your age, trying to climb the ladder here in this firm, I did the same thing. He said, and I was shown mercy. And he said, today that same mercy that was shown to me, I'm showing to you. God help us. We have been shown mercy. If we've been saved by the blood of Christ, we need to show it now. There was a fellow years ago who said to old Wesley, he said, there's this guy. He said, I'll, I'll never forgive him. And Wesley turned to him and he said, then I hope, sir, you never sin. <laughs> you know what he meant by that? I hope you never sin. 
You know, mercy imitates God. A grudge imitates the devil. And maybe today you need to show mercy to a friend who has betrayed you or, or a, a, a child who's betrayed you or a, a parent or a boss or a teacher or whatever it might be. Don't get too indignant. I'll guarantee you the time's coming. We're going to all need mercy. We've all needed mercy. We've all said harsh words. We've all had bad attitudes. We've, we've all stumbled. There are some things we wish we could forget. You know, there was a man on trial years ago, and he was trembling. And, and uh, his, his attorney said, don't worry, don't worry, this, this judge is just. And the man said, that's what I'm afraid of. He's just. I'm guilty. I don't need justice. I need mercy. We all need mercy. We need it often. What will it take to make us merciful? Some of you would remember the name Dan Deardorff. He was... Uh, uh, a broadcaster for Monday Night Football for many years. He, he made over 600000 back in those days doing that. He, he said from the time he was age 21, his, his life, if you put it on a graph, was like a 45-degree angle. He said, I just kept going up, 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 up. And he said, getting that job was just unbelievable. He said, life was so good until January of 1985. He lost his uh, two-month-old baby daughter, Kelly, to a sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS. His uh, wife woke up at, at three, and, and uh, normally the baby would feed around two and, and hadn't cried out, and she went into the crib and, and brought back the lifeless body of Kelly into the bedroom. And, and Dan Deardorff said, my, my life crumbled. He said, I, I, I never believed I could hurt this bad. He, he said, the pain was unbearable for the longest time. He said, it did something to me. He said, I learned that before then, I, I really didn't care much about people. I, I was, was really weak in compassion. He, he said, life was good, and I was just going on my merry way, and, and people had problems all around me, but hey, I'm too busy for that. He said, but boy, that tragedy changed me. And I realized that everybody has a burden, and we need to be cognizant of that, and willing to listen, and willing to help. God help us. It's the saint's duty. We see the spiritual definition, the sovereign display, the saint's duty. Finally, when it comes to mercy, let's talk about the saving deliverance of mercy. And I'm talking about salvation here. The fact it takes mercy in order to be saved. In the town of Wisham many years ago, there was a, a born-again Christian who uh, worked his way up to become the magistrate of the, the, the county, actually the judge, and there he was, and he was fair, and he was impartial, and he, he was doing his job as a judge. And one day, an old child of friend, a childhood friend of his was led into the court who had uh, fallen on hard times and been caught stealing, trying to just basically feed his family. And everybody knew these two were friends from way back. And what would this judge do? Well, the judge heard the case. He put his gavel, pounded it down on the, on the bench, and he fined the man the, uh, the, the harsh amount, if you will, for his crime. And everybody kind of gasped. Then he got down off the bench and removed his robe, and he went over and he, he paid the fine to the court clerk there. He showed justice the way he should have, but he turned around and he showed mercy out of his own pocket, paying for his friend's crime. You know, that's really a picture of what Jesus Christ did for us. When he died on Calvary's cross, God had to be just. The holiness of God demands justice. We're sinners. 
And God must be just in punishing sin. But in his love, he showed mercy toward us by taking on flesh himself, God the Son, coming to this earth and paying the price for our sins. We are sinners. When we will repent and place our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we are what Christ called born again. Turn to Titus chapter 3 if you would. You know, there are many people in this world avoiding the very thought of God. I mean, secretly, they, they fear His wrath and, and they fear His justice, and, and rightly so. They, they fear the judgment of God. Yes, God is holy and God will punish sin. But the good news is we have a God who is willing and able and, and ready to forgive. How? Well, in Titus 3... And in verse number 5, it says, not by works of righteousness. Did you get that? Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His, what? Mercy, He saved us. According to His mercy, He saved us. Well, why can't we work our way to heaven? Because there's none righteous, no, not one. And again, if you think you're a good person, you are self-righteous and the worst kind of sinner. And hell today is full of self-righteous people who died lost, trusting in their own good life and their church membership and their baptism to save them. They missed it because the Bible says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. That's how we get to heaven. 1 Peter 1.3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again. Another way of saying born, born again us, okay? Hath begotten us again. How? According to His abundant mercy. Jesus Christ told the story of the, uh, the publican and the Pharisee back there in the Gospels. We don't have time to look at it. But the publican was a tax collector who realized what he was. He was a dirty dog who was cheating the people. The Pharisee, full of himself, strutted to the front of the synagogue he prayed. He told God what a great guy he is. He turned over, looked over his shoulder, and said, I'm thankful I'm not like that loser back there, that p- p- publican. Could hardly get the words out. Well, Jesus said they both left the temple, but one left lost the same way he'd come in. The other one left saved. In Luke 18:13, notice this publican standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's what we need. At salvation, we need God's mercy. God's mercy. Have you received that pardon? Have you, have you seen yourself as God sees you? A lost, hell-bound, hell-deserving sinner. In Psalm 86.13, the psalmist says to God, Great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Has God done that for you? Have you had a time in your life when you have been born again? Or are you too self-righteous? The fact is, you're a great sinner. Whether you realize it or not, I'm a great sinner. But here's the good news. God's mercy goes deeper than your sin. If you've strayed, if you've fallen, turn to God in mercy. You know, we often hear this expression, um, God helps those who help themselves. No, God helps those who can't help themselves. That's 
mercy. And our God is a God of mercy. May I close with one more verse? Ezra 9.13, the prophet says, And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that Thou, our God, hast punished us less than our iniquities deserve. My favorite word in that verse is the word less. God has punished us less than our iniquities deserve. How is that possible? Well, because Jesus Christ took our punishment on Calvary's cross. Remember that blood on that mercy seat. That's a picture of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That place of torture and execution became God's mercy seat. Our God is a God of mercy. And God help us to be eternally thankful for that. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Puppet Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.